Hey, I'm Ali. And I'm Grace. And this is Galley Proof. A podcast about books. Boy, has it been a long month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I read this book before I think our last episode either came out or like before the last month ended. So it's been ages since I finished this book. Yeah, we're, uh, we, we've been struggling to sort of find a a bit of time to record in in both of our schedules um if you don't know me and me and grace are long distance friends so we she lives in england and i live in the u.s and so along with that can can come a bit of difficulty finding a slot within our schedules to to record but i know we've both been antsy too um so we didn't say it yet, but um, the book we're, we're mm. going to be discussing today is um, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. Yeah, I'm like, I was like so antsy to have this conversation. And now that we're having it, I'm like smothered the part of me that was like eager to talk that now it's like, <sighs> so what did you think? <laughs> it's like weathered. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there's, I, I know how I feel about the book overall, but the specifics have sort of gone hazy because it's been a, a little minute. Yeah, you'll have to excuse us if we're like fuzzy on the details. Um, this episode might be more of a a general picture of our thoughts. Um, I I know I sent you like a few a few like different quotes that have been pulled from like like reviewers and stuff yeah um my favorite has been that one that said um it's like faust for goth bisexuals (laughs) yes um Um, it's very faustian but also not it's very vague like the spiritual context with which this this like book exists I I mean, the, to get down to the crux of it, I'm pretty certain we both really enjoyed it. Oh yeah, we haven't said our general thoughts yet. Oh, I really loved it. Yeah, I yeah, I really liked it. Um, I it, it it had a very like for one like I just enjoyed the fact that like everyone was a little gay and <laughs> that like that's always gonna be like ramp you up a few points in my book. I mean. You and your gay agenda. Um, also, like, everyone was a little gay and everyone was, like, my type. So it was like, okay, let's, like, oh my gosh, do the yeah, rounds. Let's, like, do the rounds of, like, how many book characters can Allie be attracted to all at one time? And then, like, Addie's type is also like vaguely my type so like every single like partner she had I was like oh I like them too yeah (laughs) I think the only person who comes close to anything resembling my type is Luke himself which doesn't say great things about me Um, (laughs) (laughs) but even then like I don't like him I don't think there's anybody in this book that I would I have the hearts for you know what I mean like there's I don't mm. think I don't think that was my takeaway from this but now that you say it like literally like Addie is definitely your type she's very I, I would not she's very almost Kristen Stewart-esque in some ways <laughs> like, mm. um and then like is it Henry it's been a while it's so long I can't even remember his name it's Henry yeah. right um Henry's yeah. like a, a lanky curly-haired boy and that's just everything for you <laughs> uh, not only but not only like a lanky curly haired boy he's a lanky curly haired bisexual boy who hates himself like <laughs> if there has never been a perfect picture of like of the men that I find myself interested in <laughs> I'm oh, just like, like I'm like tied because I'm like amp like sometimes I was reading the book and I was like, sometimes I feel like I am Henry and other times I feel like I'm in love with Henry and I'm just like towing this line. But that's like my entire sexuality is I'm like, do I want to like, do I self-identify with you? Am I attracted to you? Oh do gosh. I want to be you? Like my, my attraction to Addie is definitely like, God, you're so like cool. Like I just like, you just like are cool and I want to be you. And then like her partner or partner, I could say in quotes, her like hookup, um, that like blonde artist she mm-hmm. hooks up with. I was like, Sam, oh. I think, yeah. <laughs> I was um, like, Oh girl. <laughs> yeah. Let's like, you know, I'm, 
so excited for whatever listener decides to unpack the fact that the only person I'm remotely attracted to is essentially the devil and the only, and like you just said that you love a boy who hates himself <laughs> so let's let's just like can't wait for someone to analyze how awful listen, we are <laughs> okay listen we all have a toxic underbelly to our attraction like let's admit to it um listen this, this I, is me being conditioned I'm fond- to like bad boys this is like draco malfoy and cardan who are actually people that i've only been attracted to since i was 18 so that's not really an excuse but this is me being conditioned as a young person to love bad boys that's what this is well oh and a hundred percent i can't say that I- I Luke wasn't my type either. Like I was also attracted to Luke. Yeah, um, but if it's anything, because he looks like Henry. Like Henry looks unnervingly like Luke. That's one of the reasons why she notices him the first time she sees him. But before we even meet Henry, and we're just like she's just describing the like drawing that she does, that like she's imagining him. And even when he just appears, I'm like, oh, God, you've got kind of like a seductive air to you, don't you? You just like well, had to be handsome. Yeah, <laughs> but like, obviously, like surface level, that's like, oh, yay, hot. But then like when you actually. Oh, no, he's it, terrible. Oh, he's terrible. It's he's so like evil to take her dream guy and do that to him. It's so awful. Oh, um, yeah. Like the way that. For one, like, the way that she writes the sort of layers of the torture of this curse, for one, Mm. like, the premise, I think, is so interesting. Like, round of applause for V.E. Schwab for coming up with such a, like, unique story. Mm. Um, But also that has so much draw because it's kind of, like, coming back to this fundamental idea of, like, what do we want the most? And if it's given to us, like, how can that threaten, like the things that we appreciate now or the things that we take for granted or yeah and and you know every single person I feel like with with most storylines where it's dealing with like oh they made a deal with the devil and it was the wrong thing like it has the energy of like oh you idiot like Mm -hmm. don't you know not to make a deal with the devil but the the added layer of like the figure in in question is like kind of the myth mythos around them is vague and you don't really know that they're a god and like sometimes you don't even know if what you're asking for or if it's going to happen one of the things that i think is interesting is that i think schwab did very intelligently is um like at the beginning like you know jokey comparison to um like marlo's faustian stuff but like the difference is that Dr. Faust or whatever, he purposefully summons Mephistopheles, I think, or the the demon, either way, whatever. He he purposefully summons it because in in order to make a deal. Whereas with Addie's deal, she doesn't realize that it's gotten dark, so she doesn't expect to meet an evil like god. It's it's completely accidental that she just loses track of time, and it's really unfortunate that that's the god that answers. I mean, obviously, oh, she's like she still like makes a deal, like sort of catching on because she's so desperate. But like, there's a difference between the intention there and spoiler alert, you know. <laughs> Similarly, with Henry's deal, he's at an extreme low, and um, Luke turns up knowing he's weak and vulnerable. Like, so he's preyed upon rather than he invites this. Like, you know what I mean? So that's well, a really good it- way to make us feel sorry for for the characters yeah and I mean with Addy too it's like he they really line up that like that mirrored dichotomy between like abusers in in reality and and this god as like the role of abuser within like this fantastic setting is he's pinning out and like taking advantage of people who are very desperate and who have like with Addie's case like it's not it's not even like it's not her fault that like the world is framed in such a way that her like life is essentially miserable and impossible and it just it's very like poignant to sort as a sort of commentary on like I don't know the way that people in power like take advantage of of people who have none um yeah it's also 
something that I noticed early on and was a big fan of all the way through. Very much a big feminist theme throughout. Oh, for sure. Big fan yeah. of that. And done quite well. Like, not preachy or over the top, but also mm-hmm. not so subtle that you think, come on, you could have, like, you need to actually say something about this. You know what I mean? Like, done, I think, really quite well. Um, you know you get the feeling that it's intelligent feminism, that it isn't just the pop culture feminism that comes from a lot of um, highly marketed, you know, like adult literature and YA alike is this whole like girl boss, um, you know, hero's journey, but with a, a with a girl at the center of it type stories. Mm. Like it is Essentially, every fantasy main female character ever <laughs> yeah so even though we love them but also yeah and there's merit there's merit to those sorts of, of books too yeah. but um the way that you know the the feminist like heart of this book and the feminism of like within Addie's relationships to other women and within mm. her outlook of her own situation and in her relationship with Um, with Luke and like the you know the toxic dichotomy there the things that she sees that he doesn't see just a bunch of things especially when you get to the book the part of the book where you know she's she's just she's trying to find her way in the world as a woman with no like means of surviving and the the implications of that with the people that she runs into but also like the binding that puts her in in terms of like surviving um it's just really it was really good i liked i and i like that like her her sexuality in a very fundamental way it was very like organically input like it wasn't it was def- a definitely like a part of her character and but it wasn't i just i don't know how to articulate this like i think it just applies to the the general feeling about the way that I, f- that a way that I feel like Schwab the sto- wrote the story and the the way that everything just felt so like easy and organic and natural and it all just felt like it was in its right place but it wasn't over exaggerated or it wasn't hyperbolic or mm. over dramatic. Um, she wrote a situation that I found like very very believable um and I don't and it was also like vaguely magical realist which you know that like that's my favorite thing yeah so I mean like I'm like rambling like a crazy person I don't even know what the ideas I'm talking about now are but it's just I I really really liked it I I liked almost every character even when they frustrated me um aside from the villain obviously even even him even him I liked him sometimes you know like that's that's the crazy part is like when especially at that part of the book where she finds herself sort of falling for him like I I was like this right genuinely okay so when we read like the cruel prince for example when we read holly black stuff and you're a big like fan of like elves like I mean we both are but like you're like very much your type is 100% a willowy elf boy like that's like that's very you um and like so whenever we read like something with elves in it or whatever you're always like you know falling in love far more with the elves than I am even if I love them and stuff and we've had that conversation and like I remember us talking about that um when we were reading um uh the cruel prince and um, I remember trying to explain to you why I didn't fall in love with them quite as much as you did. And it's because they terrify me. And I feel like <laughs> yeah. that is what they're supposed to do, especially Holly Black's version. Like she does not shy away from the fact that they are scary. And it's like, yes, they're attractive and they're like charming and you're supposed to fall in love with them, because, but you fall in love with them the way that you might with like the idea of owning a wild animal. Like it makes it's exotic and it feels good and like it makes you feel special, but it will bite you at some point and you might die. <laughs> like so that's like so that's how like I feel about elves a lot. Like you want to love them, but it's dangerous too. So 
run. Um, and I feel that way about Luke. Like, he's purposefully sexy, purposefully, like, appealing. I mean, that was made clear from the beginning. Like, the, the point of making him take on her imaginary lover's, like, identity or, like, face or whatever was to prove that he was trying to be seductive or was somebody you could be seduced by. Um, and so, like, I'm with you in that, like, 100%. Like, he becomes, in that moment where she convinces herself there could be something with him, you fall with her in a way but all the while I was like no like no stop no I was too and and then obviously his version his version of love is possession which is like very much an abusive relationship oh for sure and like so it's uh it's, it's that same ache of like it's just very similar. It's different because of the context, but it's a very similar feel to how I feel about um, Holly Black's elves. <laughs> it's like, oh, they're pretty, but run. <laughs> or her fae. Because, I don't know, fae and elves get blended all the time, so does yeah, it matter? Yeah, that's what I meant. I'm sorry, I didn't mean elves. I meant fae in general, but yeah. Oh, yeah, but I like I totally get what you mean. I think I think my my lack of hesitancy with it, I, I do have that same, like... Um, sense of like knowledge of their like inherent darkness but I think I think myself a sense of self-preservation just isn't there Mm. (laughs) so Mm. I just like sort of go all in but I I liked how like you know Addie was like she was constantly being like fooled by him but I never got the sense that it was because she wasn't very intelligent and I love that I loved the moments where she did figure out how to best him and I mean this is jumping way ahead now but like at the end when you finally get that little snippet of like no she's still fighting like yeah like she might be like she might have like given herself up for Henry but she's still she's still scheming like she'll never stop and that that was a nice piece because I think it could have really gone in a in a worse direction with that final sacrifice especially with it being like her sacrificing herself for a man but it's also like but it would have been okay either way I feel like with because she's just such a feminist character and she's got the immortal thing going for Mm. her like she's lived a life he hasn't yet yeah she's it's also like this book is ultimately so depressing like in a oh, really, for sure. Super in a really sad. great way, but like so depressing, especially as at the end, the satisfaction we get from her saving Henry's soul is just ruined by the fact that you realise that's the only soul she's ever going to be able to save because she's like so unlikely to ever be able to get out of her own bargain. Like as soon as she decides she doesn't want to be like forgotten by everyone she loves anymore, he takes her soul. And that is so depressing. And it's yeah, like, like in made the minute more that emotional she's... by the fact that her saving Henry's soul is as close to like winning as she'll ever get. Mm. It's, it's y- very sad. Yeah, it's a sad. I mean, and like the circumstances, of course, were only going to lead to like bittersweetness all over. And I think that's mm. why I think I I messaged you at the beginning of the book and I was like once I hit a certain point I just was like starting to get nervous to keep reading because I like didn't want the bomb to dr- like I didn't want the shoe to drop. Like mm. I didn't want the inevitable bad to come in and ruin whatever like piece of good I for one like that Addie and Henry had made between each other. Yeah, it just and like you feel the bliss that they are finding and finally having a person that's giving them what they can absolutely not have through their curse and through just their lives in general. Like I feel Henry being her first like real true love because he's the only one that's been ever able to remember her since she's had like her curse and then with him because the other people that he's been with hasn't haven't really loved him and now that he's got this like loving curse it's not real so yeah it's it's just really interesting the way that like uh, it's uh, I just like I loved it so much I don't but then I did have like my things like I will say, 
I never disliked the dual narrative of like going back in time fundamentally. Like I still was engaged through those points of the story where we were changing the timeline. Yeah. But I think I have seen that shift in timelines done a little bit less clunkily or like it did have a sense of like interrupting my engagement in a certain part of the story once we hit a certain like momentum in the plot I guess so we've we've disagreed on this before um I think it was I can't it might not have been this but I think that was um when we read the name of the wind or whatever I remember you saying like you weren't a big fan of that like chopping between the flashback and the like the I could be wrong but we've definitely had this conversation about something we've read and I tend to either be more forgiving of that or like not really dislike it that much no matter what because I'm a big fan of that way of like doing things so I never Mm. really pick up on I don't think you're wrong because I just don't really pick up on it because I always love it I'm a big fan of just suddenly being like oh this also happened and it gives you more context into and now we're carrying on you know what I mean like so Mm -hmm. I really liked it and I thought it was done really well but yeah, I mean, I'm sure somebody's out there has probably done it better. But I've always like, I remember when um, I picked up Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. And um, I, I remember starting to read that. And as soon as I realized it was going to be a story within a story, like a flashback thing, I got so excited because I was like, I love it when they do this. Um, so I'm just a big fan of that trope in general. But I think my other thing, other than like... Um... I think it's very hard for one. I I just want to like give her some credit. I think it's very hard to do that time shift without losing without leaving the reader feeling like, "Oh, now now I just like I just want to like ugh, take me back to the other place so I can figure out what happens in that timeline and I just want to, you know, um but I think that anxiety and that like feeling of loss in that is you just kind of like have to let that take you where it may and like that disappointment it at like having to go to a different timeline or learn a different thing is is just a part of reading stories with with multiple timelines mm. so i think it's just a, a part of like whether or not i guess you you're more tolerant of like just going on wherever the story takes you whereas like I feel like with me I'm just like so anxious to like get the next part of like events that I'm just like sitting there like now I'm distracted but I do think it was done it was done well it just I don't know I'm always looking for that like the way that narrative is executed where it's like I never feel that when I'm reading because every single part of the story is like giving me the same merit as like whatever wherever we just were in I don't it's hard to explain I mean I guess so I just I just think that my experience of this was that I felt that it all was giving me the same merit or whatever like Mm -hmm. I never when we went into flashbacks or to different memories of hers I never I mean it might have been like based on the different ways that we've spoken before about like the different things we get out of reading a book and also like the fact that you said you had a lot more of a for want of a better phrase because but like you had more of a romantic interest in the main characters than I did which just generally connects you stronger to wanting to see how that plays out you know what I mean um and so when like I mean I could be wrong but but either way like I wasn't totally fussed when I was wrenched away from her and Henry because I was interested in the concept and the plot more in this yeah. case. But... I think that's possible. I think I think my problem with it was like I had to be taken from like a relatively hopeful environment into a really bleak one. Like mm-hmm. in that like that emotional shift I think was difficult at times because I was just like oh take me back to the like good hopeful romance of like you know I just wanted I maybe I was like more comfortable following that curve but then like the whole story even the romance has a bleak tone yes at points so I think it it that's what ends up making it work and I do think she places certain like discoveries and certain the way that it's it lands I think it felt natural 
like it didn't ever feel like I was super interrupted I don't know it's like a very middle ground this if this is not just the book that just sums us up and shows exactly how we feel because you saying like oh even like the romance parts between Addie and Henry like had a bleak feeling I feel the same but from the opposite perspective like I'm like, yeah, but even the flashbacks where we were thrown back into where Addie was sad and no one remembered her had a lot of hope in them. Like, that's my, like that's how I feel. Like, it, when we went back and she talked about the way that she left marks through artwork and found love in a day and, like, had really uplifting conversations that, like, reignited her faith in people and things like that. Like, though, like even though it always ended sad in the same way that her and Henry was always going to end sad like there was hope in the meat of the story of the memory so like the exact I would agree I, with I basically that. agree with you but I'm doing I'm looking at it from the positive perspective and you're looking at it from the more negative perspective and that is like us essentially us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh so. I, unfortunately folks I am glass half empty all the way um but you know I'm also mentally ill, so that's going to leave you with a glass half empty approach in general. There's nothing wrong um, with that. It's just really interesting. It's just really interesting the different ways we approach the same thing. You know what I mean? No, because when you say that, like I, I a hundred percent agree with you that that is like the tonal thing. But I, uh, like, it's so funny how like my first thing to acknowledge is it's is all bleak. The, <laughs> is the opposite, and then. And like how, yeah, it's just, that's, it's funny. I almost think sometimes it's good to like be away from a book and get some perspective before you like say your final two on it. But not because too much. <laughs> not too far, but like sometimes it's good to get some emotional distance because it gives you a better feel for like your general vibe around, around the text instead of focusing on the like, nitty gritty bits that um maybe it won't serve this podcast very well (laughs) but um uh yeah I don't know like it almost like I've it's almost like as times passed I've been able to generally forget the things that like the little things that I did find a little like somewhat annoying when I was reading um yeah I mean if I'm thinking about if I was to like draw a comparison between how I felt immediately after finishing this and how I feel now immediately after finishing this I like I cried at the end um I was left uh an empty husk um and for like a full day afterwards very much in a state of depression and hating life and very upset about it all um and then but now when I think about it it's like a dull ache of melancholy Mm. it's like so I mean that speaks to the book's success in that even now, like when I just think about what it's about, I get this like, this might might not make any sense, but this weird tensing like between my shoulders and around my chest of just like, oh, that's just that like sad. that like feeling in your chest um it's like obviously a lot more palpable like I don't know if anybody else gets this or if we're just like we feel very physically but um but especially when I, I read sad things, um, and like heart wrenching is a very physical description for me because it feels like my, like my heart as a muscle is like Charlie horsing in my chest. Like it's like tightening and it like has that very physical, like, like piercing feeling for me Um, it's it's a really weird anxious almost tingling at the top of my spine between my shoulder blades it's like mm -hmm. a it's like a contraction there like and I can feel it towards the front of my chest too as it happens but when I think about it it's like everything tenses around that sort of area and it's like oh I'm anxious and upset (laughs) so yeah yeah and then there's that like sinking of the belly like you like feel like empty <laughs> yeah you just have this like growing like black hole in your middle no I and like I, I will say like kudos to any book that can make me feel like that because mm. those end up 
I mean, as much as I hate myself for it, because I'm like, God damn it, Allie, like, why can't you just like things that are like, make you feel good. But um, most of my favorite things just like leave me with that despair. (laughs) So yeah, also, like, you know, that I cry at like, everything any like like movies I I I once cried at a little mix song like that's how much like something can just trigger me and that's a really embarrassing fact about me um but for some reason I can count on well until recently I could count on one hand how many books I'd ever cried at because it takes I don't know if it's like because it's based in my imagination and like the writing has to be really convincing to make me imagine a scenario that makes me so emotional I like start welling up I don't know but like uh, yeah, so I've only cried at a handful of books and you've witnessed like two out of five of them. <laughs> so um, like been with me while I was crying about it. But I cried at this, which it has always been a marker for me of what's decent until recently when I cried at the third Sarah Jane Mass book. And I was like, right, my crying radar is broken. So now I can't use it to like determine what's a really amazing book and what isn't. <laughs> so- I mean, like I um. I think it just like speaks to your how deeply you fall into maybe you lose yourself when you're in the in the quality. I think it is the quality of the writing. You can I mean, we're not talking about Sarah J Moss today, although no. if you really wanted us to, we could we could take that, that would plunge. Be an interesting conversation. <laughs> we could take that plunge um but you know th- that's for another day, but it does speak to, I think, um, the quality of the writing or just like how convincing pe- convincingly people tell something. I don't know. I'm kind of a sucker, though. I will say like I for most for most movies, for most books, like if it's a sad thing is happening, like I'm probably probably going to cry. Um, sometimes I feel like my own emotional response is like kind of a betrayal because like a lot of times it happens in like books that I'm like, this is shit, (laughs) but this was not one of those cases. I definitely felt like the tears like had merit. Um, it's also in context as well, actually, like uh, it's maybe it's too scathing to suggest that like my radar's broken because I cried at a Sarah J Mass book because, um, what's it called? Clockwork. You know, the Infernal Devices series is one of the things that I've cried at, and that's technically the same sort of caliber. So, like, let's let's not uh, like it was probably an exaggeration on my part, but yeah, um, adding the rule was sad. Uh, it was <laughs> the sad. takeaway. Um, it was it, sad, but in like kind of a beautiful way, in a very yes. poignantly sad way, um, in a very poetically sad way. I mean. If a book was my brand, I feel like this probably nailed me as a book brand. Um, yeah. It's got that, like, melancholy... Magical very realism. Magical realism. Everybody in the book is someone you're attracted to. <laughs> everyone's And everyone's a little gay. Yeah. Um, or full gay. Yeah, it was... And like, I want to, God, I want to speak about this in more detail. I want to like give the book the credit well, it deserves, but I am also like, what do I talk about? Well, 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 were you, was it actually a significant twist for you that Henry oh, no. had made a deal I, or had you guessed? I hadn't guessed, but I knew there was something up. I guessed, um, I guessed most of the things that happened in this book. I wasn't like overwhelmingly shocked. Like even when, um. I mean, this isn't speaking much to, like, my context clues, because, like, I feel like everyone would have figured this out, but even when, like, um, Luke reveals that he, like, he, like, basically reveals that he was trying to get her to just agree to, like, to give when he, like, tried to romance her, um, like, that whole, that was a ruse, too, when she had that reveal, and, like, all of the, like, reveals in this book weren't I had sort of vaguely predicted them. Like, I wouldn't have been able to nail the exact context. But um, I had the general sense that, like, probably Henry had made a deal. Probably it had to do something with the way that people looked at him and the reaction Mm. to him and the way that people noticed. Probably it had to do with his, like, breakup 
probably it was going to lead to their eventual separation. And also the the sense that you know that she's immortal. Um, also, I could kind of predict that, like, her story wasn't going to be she pro her story was probably going to end pretty soon because you, you would, you really were getting the sense that like something had to happen to her and then she was going to finally be able to like shift her routine, um, or Mm. move on in a sense. Not that her story is over. I mean, it's not like she's dead. She's still living forever. She's just living forever in possession. Yeah. Also, even, before we knew that Henry had made a deal and all of that stuff, I was always, I was already really sad and upset because everyone around Henry can't remember her, so they can never have a proper life together. And that was yeah. like, even if that was it, even if there was no other twist, that would have been enough to just make me feel so depressed. The way that this book lands, I feel like, is, like, a bunch of the small tragedies of the, like, sad little things that are all the components together make this, like, big tragedy. Like, all of the sad little things just knit together into this, like, general, like, melancholy across the entire thing. But then it's also, like, it really brings out the beauty and, like, the things that they can take and the the mm. small joy that they can find and the the hope the that they find yeah the the hopes they find in like in between all of this like tragedy um i also think like the the period writing for one like she was writing within a different historical period a lot and i think mm. that was done pretty well like i can't say that i'm an expert in that but um it was her understanding of of different places in that way was you know it felt very believable and Mm -hmm. um I love the way that and this is saying something because I don't really take well to insta love all the time because like I'm um on the asexual spectrum and so it just doesn't I don't really understand it like um but she writes it in a way with like all of her other lovers that she like has a day with and she like kind of falls in love a little bit in a day. And it's not like true love, obviously like she can develop with Henry, not like a real relationship, but she does, she can appreciate them in the way that she can. And like it, I don't know, it, it landed, that landed very well. I I felt like I could finally understand what that would be like. Um, yeah, let's add someone new by Hosier to the soundtrack for this book. Um, <laughs> those were nice moments. It was like a weird in-between space of like, as someone who's not a big fan of the idea of a one-night stand, and Addie LaRue has a lot of one-night stands through one of, you know, she doesn't have a choice in that matter. Because um, I, I wouldn't count them as one-night stands is my point. Like, they actually are because no one remembers. And... um from her perspective, a lot of them aren't if she sticks around. Um, but it was like an in-between thing between one night stand and like a full-blown romance. It was like a weird, like really well done mix of like mm-hmm. something really beautiful happening in such a short time and made believable. Um, yeah, it was like, it was like one night. I mean, essentially what they were is they were like one night stands, but with feelings. <laughs> um yeah. Because a lot of the people, a lot of the people she ended up um, sleeping with um, and spending the night with that ended up forgetting her the next day are the type of people that wouldn't really be inclined to, like, have a one night stand. So within that context, like, you know, the development is probably lending to a certain, like, different dynamic. And I guess that that must have served it as well. I think I also want to say this is like jumping points, but I also want to say I liked I liked this like small undercurrent that you have at the end where she's kind of realizing that like the book like confronts this idea of like when you live that long and you have that many experiences and no and you have the context within which she's living which is like no one can remember her. Like you're not mm. really human anymore. 
Yeah. Are you human if you don't leave any mark behind? Yeah. Um, But it's also the fact that she's, like, had to... Almost, like, the pain and the amount of, like, forgetting that she's had to endure, I think, can only make her, like, sort of immune to, like, feeling the way that other people do. Like, at some point, she would have had to, like detach in some way or or and like enact some sort of like coping strategy just to like endure that long yeah i mean um, we, we see that though like when henry judges her for like theft and things that she does because no one remembers her and she's she like he says that's wrong and she's like are you kidding and has that freak out of like i don't what do you mean that's wrong i don't have the the privilege of being able to say whether that's wrong or not because I don't have a choice. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, that was a really interesting dynamic where, like, he's like, where did that come from? And she's basically like, stole it. And he's like, well, that's immoral. And she's like, this is the only way I can own things. It's the only way I can get food or do anything. Like, um, so it's like... it becomes really a really interesting discussion on ethics in some ways because it's like our morals don't apply to her um mm-hmm. because like it would be immoral to try to a- apply them to her because what can she do so it it was it yeah it's really it's really interesting like that she she definitely it's sort of like a weird dorian gray effect so how like picture of Dorian Gray is just a classic about you know a dude and then like this weird sort of thing that happens with his soul and all of that stuff but people now include Dorian Gray among people like Dracula and Frankenstein and stuff in their like new versions of these classic gothic characters you know what I mean and like they make Mm -hmm. him something more than human and imagine a world where he just carried on um and like league of extraordinary gentlemen the movie like he's one of the people brought in along with like van helsing and all of these other characters so he's become something more than just a human um based on like the myth and the the way people have taken the story and adi larue has that effect it's like she stopped being human has become something else in a sort of mythological awesome sense like that would have me believing if people decided to include her in like amalgamations of characters like that, who were like not really considered human anymore, even though they were, she is, you know what I mean? Yeah. I like the sense of like vague near equality she had with like the longer she lived, the more she almost like acquired the somewhat like godly status that like the guy who mm-hmm. cursed her has yeah it's um, like the first time she meets him doesn't he like go all high and mighty about how long he's been around and like how important he is and all of that stuff and then towards the end especially that moment when they're in the bookstore and she like leans into him casually but she's plotting and all of that stuff it's like she's reached this the height of being able to play the same game that he a god plays um Mm -hmm. so yeah I I liked that the power play was really interesting yeah it was really good one last question no I have two last questions one of them okay um how do you feel about the reveal at the end that the book was written by Henry oh for one I don't really feel like he wrote it well I mean you know what I mean like because he because he doesn't he doesn't take credit for it like he 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 has success from it in terms of like he's able to like build his livelihood on it but he doesn't like write his name or put his picture on the book like he doesn't no. um it's not what I meant I didn't mean like oh yeah like it's Henry's work I meant purely that how do you feel about the fact that it's revealed the book we've just written was what Henry got published and it was her story that they like wrote together or that he wrote down as she talked about it Oh, I guess I thought that I felt like that device in general, like, I know it was meant to be taken that way, <clears throat> but um, it almost feels less poignant to me if it's not just like, I don't know, it feels a little gimmicky. I think I that's the way I feel about it. That's why I was asking, because I really like it because I'm like a sucker for a sentimental like little thing like that. But I know that it's something that other people would see as gimmicky. So I wanted to know how you felt about it. Um, it's not gimmicky enough for me to be like, ah, oh, no, you know, it's it's just like, 
also within the context of I the didn't book, dwell on it. Yeah, within the context of the of the book though, like it's 100% a win because she finally gets her entire life story out there even if people don't mm. believe it's true. Um Yeah. And that is also like a trippy thing of like oh but what if it is true and like we've just read Adi LaRue's story and she's out there with Luke right now like <laughs> it's that kind of thing um well with me I was like this is going off on a different tangent but like I just like I find it so amusing how much of a like and I understand the like poetic like reason for it and like why she does it as a character and it's like more for intelligent regions but like she kind of ends up being like an art hoe <laughs> a little bit like yeah. she's just like I just want to be the muse always uh and just like has this sort of like slight air of pretension that I'm like you go girl <laughs> like you just yeah. like hook up with a bunch of artists and inspire them because you're so great hair flip um <laughs> Yeah, everybody in the world just thinks she's super hot. There is no one who doesn't think Addy LaRue is hot. Oh, yeah. I mean, and she's got that, like, classic French, like, beauty thing. Like, she's got that, like, supermodel air of, like, oh, I just, like, effortlessly, I just, like, walk into a room and I'm, like, so intelligent and, like, so, I'm so mysterious and you just, like, want to get to know me, you know? (laughs) I feel like that's, like, I feel like that's Addy's vibe. Um, yeah. Um, my last question was up until uh, up until this moment, or as far as we're aware, aware right now, we are on record as saying that if we were villains, is our favorite book we've read for this podcast. Does mm-hmm. this take over for you, or is it still second to that? Oh, it's hard to say. They might be tied, but I yeah. don't know. I feel like maybe. For whatever reason, maybe if we were villains had like the impact was a little stronger, but I don't know if that's just because I hadn't read a book in so long that it affected me that way that it like almost hit me harder. And then like this is this was following up pretty soon after that. So I was like reminded that like, oh, and I was expecting this to be good. Like Mm. I I didn't have like outrageously high expectations, but I know that I like V.E. Schwab's writing. So I knew that I was going to probably like this. Um, yeah. Or at least I knew that I wasn't going to like outrageously dislike it. And I just, maybe it's just the, the additional fact of like, I'd heard good things about if we were villains, but I kind of went into it mostly blind. Like I knew it was about like something Shakespeare related and I thought it was really going to appeal to you. And then like, it just ended up being like, really interesting and really good on my side and it was just such like an unexpected surprise that I was like oh Mm. my god um but with this I was like yeah it like I thought it would be good and it like really met those expectations (laughs) yeah um so I don't know I think they are tied just for different reasons I think it's interesting because I went into both blind like when you first described if we were villains to me and said like it's a bunch of students doing Shakespeare I genuinely thought it was going to be like a gimmicky YA high school student thing so that for some reason like I was expecting like a more teenagery based YA novel um I don't know why um uh, so when I started reading it I was like this is a lot more sophisticated and I'm really into it um and with this I've never read V.E. Schwab anything sh- I've never read any V.E. Schwab before So I didn't know what to expect at all. I just knew people were talking about it. I have like, I lean as, I have like, I feel like it's a tie two for me because if we were villains has the edge because it's Shakespeare and it's done really well and the writing is crazy and it's so dialogue heavy and I'm a big dialogue fan and like mixing that with Shakespeare's, like with Shakespeare quotes is like a win for me. But you had more of an emotional reaction to the end and I didn't really. Like, I didn't think the end was as impactful. Whereas with this one, the end really got me and it was very impactful, but I still probably think that, like, the writing or, like, the the main content of If We Were Villains had a bit more of an edge than this for me. So, like, Mm. they balance each other out because of that. So, yeah, I think it is difficult to choose. So I guess, like, at the moment, 
their joint like crowned at the top of our favorites list for this year at the moment we'll see what december yeah. brings yeah for sure speaking of what december brings i was literally uh, just about to say we should have done a poll today so we could say yeah. what we and i completely forgot it would it would it work if i did a poll tomorrow and then like just added in post hey next month we're reading this Hi, uh, this is Allie from the future. Just uh, dropping in here to tell you the results of the poll. You guys voted and you wanted us to read um, A Little Life by Hanya Yanagahara. Um, just bring it, bring it to a close this year with lots of trauma and sadness. Um, so I see you guys. <laughs> Um, but, um, thank you for voting, and yes, um, December's book will be, will be, uh, A Little Life by Hanya Yanagahara. Okay. <laughs> um, back to normal scheduling. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, well, thank you, um, so much for, for listening to our talk on Addie LaRue. Uh, mm -hmm. we, it, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, I just shorten it to Addie LaRue often. Same. <laughs> Um, because that's a very long title, I will say. But yeah, we we both really enjoyed it, and we uh want to know what you thought. So um, you know, send us your discussion points as per usual. If or you know, if you disagree with anything we said, or want to make any any commentary on the points we brought up, or make points of your own, um, those are always welcome. And um. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, and um... <laughs> and and you can do that. Um, Gallyproof.tumblr.com or on Twitter and Instagram. Um, it's at Gallyproofpod. Um, generally speaking, if you say something on Twitter, you'll probably get a response from Ali, and if you say something on Instagram, you'll probably get a response from me, depending on like what's happening. We are both on both, but like that those are just the social media we default to because we prefer them um but yeah yeah I will say too um our <laughs> our our Instagram has like seen quite a bit of growth recently so if you're coming from the Instagram hello welcome um oh, yeah. You, yeah if you do like Twitter like go hang out there too we'd love like some interaction over there and um or if you have any sort of recommendations for what you'd like to see on any of our social media obviously obviously that's always welcome too so but um mm -hmm. I, like thank you so much for anybody who has um followed or uh, interacted with us um on socials or just listened to the podcast like it's really gratifying to like because obviously when we started this out we you know we thought that um it was a shot in the dark whether or not, you know, us sitting there talking about this thing that we both really love to talk about together and whether or not people would find that, like, interesting. So, um, and it's really gratifying to see that some people sit down and, you know, actually, actually listen. Um, so, so yeah, thank you if you are listening. Um, yeah, we love you. We love you so much. I hope you had a wonderful November and... Um, tune back in December for whatever Something. book we're covering that oh I've gosh. told you previously. Ali, just say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Obviously, I need to shut up now. Goodbye! <laughs>